All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm speaking with Maxime Germain. He's an entrepreneur currently working on a venture in the mental health space called Human, or otherwise known as Jour, which was just acquired. Maxim has started four other companies, including Artlist, which was acquired by Artnet. But above all, he's a stunning human I've been fortunate to walk the streets of Lisbon with while briefly working together at Jour. So I am just excited to, to catch up and unpack your journey. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been some time since uh, since Lisbon. There's been a lot of developments. Obviously, the the most recent just being this uh, acquisition on of, of Jour, which a lot of the listeners of this show are coming from the Kio days, um, and probably were users or are, are still users of Jour because I know a lot of those our our users flipped over to. Uh, your offering when ours obviously ceased to exist. So it's exciting to see the the progress of the of the company, the team, and and the offering to see where you guys go uh, next. But I'd love to back up first and just get a little idea of you know who are you? You know how as we speak now, what how do you define yourself? <laughs> just a light um, question to start, Maxim. Very light question. <laughs> Everyone gets the same one. To avoid job titles. <laughs> right. Um, well, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a product person uh, yeah. and maybe a, a, a designer. Um, I love uh, technology. I love building products. Uh, I love where, you know, human psychology is meeting the computer and, and we build great products there. I think that's yeah. all of the the fascination I have with uh, with the world and uh, with my job. And where where did that curiosity start for you? Because you you strike me. I mean, having spent some time with you, and then just even in that response, I mean, you're always asking questions, always. Yeah. Um, well, I think it started when I was uh, a kid trying to figure out the environment I was in. I, I spent a lot of time observing and not talking much uh, when I was young. Um, okay. And I think I, I, I really wanted to get to understand and deconstruct before participating in a conversation or in a social setting. Um, that was true for people, but I think it was also true for objects. Like, how does a light bulb work? How does this yeah. uh, remote work? And can I maybe deconstruct it and um, and learn about them? And then, like that, triggered <laughs> the rest of my life. I think I I learned how to code when I was when I was eleven. Uh, I built my first website uh, at that time. Uh, I was also very interested in electrical engineering because it seemed like it was powering a lot of the world uh, we live in. Uh, so I was, you know, learning circuits, boards, programming, and all of that good stuff at the time. Then, you know, in your story, or at least what I've seen in the research, is that you 
I always forget that you're actually a, a developer or, or co- you know, learn code. I mean, because I, I just see you as this this massive strategic, you know, leader <laughs> and product, you know, person. That I forget that you you have that whole other, you know, engineering style background as well. But you you actually dropped out of school and left the town. I think it was a small town in France, right? To live or to move to New York when you're were you nineteen or twenty? Yeah. I was 20 when I when I moved from Caen. Uh, okay. I was I was doing a business school there, and the the the, the third year of that school was happening in uh, in New York. Um, and I basically interned in a company. Uh, and after the uh, the internship, it sort of uh, became my my full time job. And um, yeah, okay. And then you stayed. Um, and how did the did you always know then that you would jump into the entrepreneurial world? Seems like the natural path given your curiosity, but I mean, that's still a big leap for most people. Right. Um, so that started earlier, I think. When I, when I was in high school, I was running this iPhone website. Okay. Um, and we were, you know, we, were make, make, we had something like 2 million visitors a year, and that was all happening organically. Um, and that's when I think I learned the most and I was participating in something called startup weekends, uh, mm-hmm. where we'd go, uh, to a city in France and we would, um, we would basically build products over the weekend and pitch them, uh, to, to the audience at the end. Um, I did not want to go to business school. I wanted to, I had an internship plan when I was 18, uh, in San Francisco and I just wanted to go there and, you know, go build uh, <laughs> with some cool people, some products. Um, but at the time, my parents pushed me uh, to get a diploma. <laughs> uh, but as soon sure. as I got in, I wanted to get out. Uh, and then I found my way out uh, two years after. Okay. And is that where, when did the, the whole entry and, and why the, the entry into the art world? Like, wh- how did that, because you, you spent, there was a couple companies or definitely a few projects in that space. I'm curious how that all started. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I was doing something called Les Beaux-Arts when I was in high school, uh, which is a, an art uh, school that you can okay. do on, on the side. Um, and... And I think I was always very interested in art. And when I moved, when I moved to New York, I met with uh, Kenneth, uh, who then became uh, a great friend of mine and a business partner for many years uh, in New York. And, and you know, when, when, I, when I got to New York, I, I wanted to intern at Google. Uh, I wanted to learn uh, <laughs> about the Google culture and, um, and, and, be, um, and be taught there but uh that did not happen because so kenneth was working there but he just left to start an art company uh and he was looking for someone with engineering and design background to be building the 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 product um and so that's how we got to build our first company uh called gertrude uh hmm. which is a um which was a uh, an online um, platform for people to meet and gather around art events around the world. And we then hosted something like 300 art events around the world. 
the company pivoted into a marketplace to buy and sell fine art called Artlist that we then sold to Artnet. Wow. And that was the first experience into essentially building and, and selling something, right? To, to another company. Exactly. That was the first experience with fundraising, hiring, uh, and, you know, all the good stuff that comes with uh, building startups. <laughs> and then just, I'm just doing a bit of a timeline and then we'll, we'll probably spend the majority of our, our time together just talking about mental fitness and that whole space. But just to give some perspective to the listeners, um, then of course you, you, you started up something else. And then something else after that. And so why don't you just walk us down a little bit, some of the other ventures until, uh, until eventually getting to the idea to create uh, or co-found Jure. Right. So all started when the iPhone came out. I got obsessed with the phone. I wanted to learn how to code apps for the phone. Uh, I wanted to build websites, be part of the community uh, at the time, which was full of hackers. That time I was 15. Um, I built this, this website, I built some apps. That was my first entry point into the uh, tech world. I was then running a web agency from my high school years to, to the business school time till I was 20. When I was 20, I moved to New York, uh, started the, uh, the art company. We sold it uh, four years after. I then did consulting for two years and uh, was running, it was both consulting and a startup studio. So we built small projects um, uh, and a small uh, revenue generating company. Um, and we were doing consulting for other larger clients to, to get some money flowing uh, in the bank account as well. Sure. Um, and after that, I moved back to Paris for three months. Uh, and that's when we we basically locked ourselves up in an Airbnb uh, with Justin and Bobby, my co-founder. Um, and we had this idea of what could we do for mental health and what is the first building block uh, to solving uh, the mental health crisis in the world. Um, so there was, there was a lot mm. of uh, time spent thinking about the right solution uh, and we had that side project. Um, what stimulated that question, Maxim? Which, like what, yeah, we, the, just, you know, how, how you guys can make a dent or, or work on mental health. Was it just, you know, was, were one of you or all of you, you know, suffering with something with mental health or was it just, you know, uh, something that the, I, I imagine there was something that led to, Hey, let's, let's work in this space. Mm, yeah. So I think I started to be very conscious uh, about my own mental health when I was uh, way younger. Uh, I, when, when I was observing uh, some, some people in the space, I was seeing that they were all taking care of their mental health one way or another. It could be meditation, it could be um, you know, having a coach. Um, and as I was running all these projects, that became sort of an obsession that if I'm not mentally fit or healthy, then it has a big impact on the outcome of the project I'm yeah. doing. Uh, and, you know, I think you have a lot of founders, they, they, they meet uh, anxiety or depression um, along the route. And 
that was that was something very common around me uh, when I was talking with other founders. They were some of them who look extremely successful, uh, who look uh, very smart and uh, very positive. Well, a lot of them are actually suffering from uh, anxiety or depression, and I had the same thing as well, where I had period of time with very high level of anxiety because you kind of sometimes enter in survival mode for your company where things have to work and you're dedicated to it. So you, you, you're post burned yeah. out, basically it's, a, it's another level um, and you have to cope with that and you have to recover. And if you don't have the tools to be doing that, um, and if you're not interested in the tools, it's, it's very hard to come back from these uh, very dark moments. Um, so I learned the tools for myself. Um, and then the more I was diving in the tool and the more I was talking with everyone around me, not only founders, I discovered that a lot of people actually suffered from panic attacks, anxiety, depression. Uh, and if you look at the, the solutions that exist, um, they are very uh, stigmatized. A lot of people are afraid yeah. to go speak with a therapist. They're afraid to admit that they even may have an issue or they're scared about getting uh, diagnosed with, you know, schizophrenia or something that, yeah, that, so that's scary. So they, they, they're really pushing this away. And, and what I thought was, all right, we need to work on finding a way to make it cool uh, and we're coming after Headspace and Calm that are meditation app. But when you think about meditation, in some ways, it's very much about your own, or, or it's about mental fitness or mental health. And I felt like, what are the, the ways that are not stigmatized where we can have a positive message on working on your mental health that we could give to the masses? Uh, and how do we do that for the, the cheapest price? At first, I was looking into models where we could, you know, get physical spaces um, and have 10 therapists working there, basically have group sessions and bringing, bringing people together to, to bring down the cost of therapy. That's something between 200 bucks to 300 bucks an hour in New York if you're doing a session with uh, an hour with a therapist. So we are looking into these different models, um, and and we need we, we wanted to come with a solution, and that that's when we sort of came across uh, journaling as something that could be quite powerful to have the stigma of the exercise removed, mm -hmm. plus uh, mass appeal uh, while being scientifically proven as effective to take care yeah. of mental health. Yeah. Well, and, and you're at the time too, because obviously I'm, I'm familiar with that, that time frame. like Headspace and Calm were, were at least, they were, they were paving the way in some, in some capacity to, to make, you know, bring digitally guided wellness solutions, let's just say, to the mainstream and, and start the conversation. But there was still, you know, at that, at that time, not really, other than you, you had this incredible competitor called Keo, um, that there was nothing really else, you know, that, that existed that other than, you know, a, a, an app like day one, which especially at that time was essentially just a, you know, a word processor or, or an app to log thoughts, but there was no guidance, right? Right. You, you had mood trackers at the time, 
um, and you had some elements with uh, or some, some journaling app with with some guidance inside, but none of them seemed to be uh, truly guided towards mental health or mm. uh, truly helping with mental health. And that, that's when we sort of dived into the cognitive behavioral therapy framework and felt like, oh, that's something we can actually pro- productize. Yeah. Um, then I discovered a lot of things because as, as we ran the company um, and, and I started to dig into uh, distribution, marketing, and how, how to build a product, you, you still, you, you're working against uh, the human nature because you will never have a true visceral appeal uh, for these products that requires uh, habit forming. They're hard. You'll never, it's not because you have an app that you're going to all of a sudden uh, start meditating every day or that you're going to start uh, journaling every day. Um, and, and when you look at these successful products like Can or Headspace, they, they figured something a level deeper into the human psyche to reach the more mainstream audience. Um, sure, they were building meditation app, but if you look at Can, I think what they're truly doing is they're in competition with sleeping pills. What, what they figured out is, yeah. oh, we can, we can actually get people to fall asleep. And that's a much more visceral appeal to gain retention and get people to form a habit of using your app. And if you look at Headspace, at the very beginning, they were, they were turning the messaging a little bit towards productivity. And it was, oh, top, top executive in the valley, they're, they're using meditation and that's their superpower. Uh, we're going to teach you uh, the monk way into meditation. Mm-hmm. And, well, and then later on, they, they moved to sleep as well. And that, w- that was one of their big message. But, yeah. you know, f- finding the element in the human nature on which you can then uh, build the product and sort of like appeal to people because you're solving something so visceral that they really need it. That was the hard part. And that's what I discovered after. At first, I was sort of naive to the human nature in that sense of like, oh, if we build a tool, then people will create the habit. And I was not ready for how, how hard it is to build uh, a positive habit in your life and building a product that will create that habit. And if it's not tied to um, uh, something a little bit more ego-driven, selfish, or, 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 or a human need, well, then you're not going to get to mass adoption. So, yeah. so that, that turn, you know, the initial thing was very much about bringing that tool and then... I, was, I, I discovered very deep things about the human psyche through building the product and marketing it. It's it's so true. It's uh, I think back at our our Keo journey, and I mean I've been telling the story from a different perspective, just with 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 the book coming out and stuff like that. But it's like it comes back to, again. Like how do you for on our side? Like we had we had eighty six point nine million app store impressions when we had shut down the app, mm. and thinking like how the hell can we not make this a sustainable business? But we mm. were like, we just weren't, we weren't at the place even close to where uh, 
where you guys started to really figure out again, I, we're, we're, we're up against the same challenge. Like people are coming in, but they're, they're not staying in obviously. And because we weren't at that place yet to, to open the door long enough for them to get really comfortable and, and start forming the habits. So, so challenging. So again, this is why I'm, I'm just so excited that you and the team have, uh, you know, kept the journey alive and, and helped millions of people because of that. And, and now with the acquisition, you continue to do, to do that work. So it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's a, a huge, a huge sense of gratitude for, for all of you guys. Thank you. Um, I'd love to, well, first of all, I, you know, the, the app is still available. So for, for sure, everyone listening, if you're not already using it, go take a look. Uh, it's still available publicly, right? Correct. And you're Correct. just building. Okay, good. Um, what I'd love to talk about is, is to go back to the idea that for, for people that are entrepreneurs or that are working in small teams or frankly, big companies too, and just this different perspective to work that also keeps your mind healthy. Cause something I noticed with, with you guys and, you know, it was only a month with you, but you know, I, I continued to follow the journey, but you, the whole team works incredibly hard, but at the same time you live life. Right. I mean, I remember like when I met you, you guys had flown me out to Lisbon and was there for a week or something just, and we were, we started the work there, but it was, you guys worked hard, but enjoyed life. And it seems like there's a, there's a recipe there. Then I've seen, seen the team, you know, renting houses in different places in the world, again, working hard, but you're, you're, you know, you're experiencing life at the same time. How has that affected just your mental health and mental fitness. And I, I guess is that I'm assuming it's intentional, but I'll let you explain. <laughs> it is, it is absolutely intentional. Um, I think it's based on if you're not finding a lot of joy in your, in your daily life or in the work you're doing, and if it's not tied to your own, you know, sort of chemical, reward system well the adventure is going to be really hard getting to product market fit it's tough um, hiring people making all of these decisions of um, on the staffing on the fundraising on the strategical move you'll be you'll be doing next they, they take a lot of your of your mental energy so being in an environment surrounded by people you like and sort of having joy at the core of what you you do and the way you design uh, the work experience um, was key for the success. I think what we are trying to do is not spend our winters in the in the cold <laughs> yeah. of, of New York City. Um, and 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 when you join us in Lisbon, we were doing a one month uh, retreat there because the team was pretty distributed between. Uh, the West Coast, New York, uh, Paris, and London, and Lisbon, actually. So bringing everyone together there was was a good way for us to to create a, a human a human bond. Um, uh, yeah. And and yeah, that that was that was intentional. That was for everyone's happiness and making sure that uh, joy was at the core of of daily life. And then then it's been pushed more. I think what what, what we've done really well is structure the time and um, and organize ourselves on on weekly tight weekly schedules 
of pushing to the App Store every single week a new version of the product, gathering the learnings as fast as we could, and then running the company became a game, working for the company became a game, um, <laughs> and, and bringing a very playful environment, I think, was also key to having a lot of joy there. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here, and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested, I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15-minute opportunity to pause and think, because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention, where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing you with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. It, it it was it was just having known some of the the insider and the behind the scenes as a user. Then after, it was almost starting to become a game on my side because I was I was picking up you know if you would roll back a feature or something like that because I knew you were testing this stuff right. So <laughs> at one point it came it became a little bit of a game. Saying okay, I know they're going to probably update the app soon. I'm curious like what how has this changed? Why did they do that? So I mean I was still learning you know even though it wasn't on the team at that point. Uh, it's fascinating. So now that now that you're part of a, a, a much bigger team, you know, three hundred or four hundred people, uh, is it is it Alan or Alain? How is Alan? The proper Alan. Alan. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, how has that transition been, or how 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 have you focused on you know kind of keeping obviously a lot of the success principles that that you set up with the team when it uh, when it was just the, a small group of you. You know, like how has that trans transition been or how are you approaching it? Right. Um, so the full team, for context, when we got acquired, uh, is and was uh, eight people because no one, no one has <laughs> left. We're, we're all still working there. Um, wh what was key for me is that there, the culture of Alan is very close uh, to the culture of Drawer the mission and the way of working are very similar. So th there was a big pre-validation um, on the way we work on, on both sides. And I think they were interested uh, in our company because we, we shared a lot of core principles on how to organize the work and uh, how to structure everything uh, with a very written culture where the, I think at Draw we had one, one 30 minutes meetings a week, uh, but then everything was uh, with no one-one, mm -hmm. everything async and written, which is the same uh, at Alan. Um, and so we, um, so we had a pre-match on the culture, and then it was about keeping the velocity of an eight-people team into a much larger environment. Uh, and we, we stayed quite autonomous in the first month. And, you know, we pushed super hard. We, we built Alan Mind, which is the mental health product at, at Alan in three months uh, that required, <laughs> you know, 
uh, a lot of product thinking and yeah. pricing and offer and we push that live um and so for for that period of time we we remain quite distant from because they still have processes that we didn't have in place that we're just adopting now uh, that are quite fascinating and that are actually uh, pushing me a lot further into my understanding on how to build uh, big projects and how to scale with your team. So, so far it's yeah. been great. And I, I already see people on my team growing in their roles way faster than what you can offer when you stay uh, eight uh, sure. in one team. That's awesome. Fascinating. And um, I mean, I'd love to know, because we, we were chatting a little bit before we hit record, but some of the, uh, I'm, I'm projecting here, but I'm assuming some of the the stuff that, or the processes you're excited about are, are just some of these questions and the way that the way the work is being rolled out. Given obviously this show's highly focused on the power of questions and, and, and the questions that we can slow down and think about what are, do you have some of those that you can share, whether that's personal or professional in working on projects like this that, you know, we can take note of and, and apply to our own lives? Uh, yeah, I think so on the culture and the company work, it's a lot about working backwards. So you're trying to anticipate the future uh, before building or doing uh, uh, any any new product work so they have this set of question that forces you to think super well if you go into building so who is the customer is one like how do you define your customer mm -hmm. how does what you're building actually delight the customer how is it inventive how is it different from the existing offer um how uh, how are we going to create something special? And then you're trying to first answer all these questions before actually uh, building the, the product, which is not what we've done, right? We are more like, let's push something, see how people react, uh, and then iterate. Uh, then yeah. you're more in the context of, let me predict the future, have a good mental map of what's going to happen, and how people will react to what I'm building, and then let's work backwards from there. And I think that's quite that's that's a quite powerful way to do it uh, of just asking a set of questions to predict the future and what it's going to look like, and then bring this back to yeah. uh, what are we doing next week, basically. Mm -hmm. That's why I love questions, right? I mean, literally all super powerful questions. I took note of those. And I mean, some obviously would require more time than others, but in the grand scheme of the whole project, the time spent being still and, and reflecting on these questions can literally save days and weeks and months and, and in some cases years of like essentially the wrong decisions, you know? Or, or outcomes that could have been prevented by spending sometimes just minutes with questions like this. It's powerful. It's super powerful. I think it's, it's even more true if you have, I, I'm very biased to, to action and building and going for it. And I'm very intuitive in some ways. And, um, and I think for, for a personality like mine, that's a little bit more intuitive, creative, um, Having, having this set of questions forces me 
back into a very uh, strategical thinking about mm. uh, what is it that I'm trying to achieve and like sure my intuition is telling me something is good and, and intuition I could go in details on how you sort of build it over time and it's not truly intuition it's mostly like your brain working for you but forcing to um, dig deeper into why do you have this intuition and then work back from there is super interesting. I'm the very, I'm at the very beginning of that, of that process yeah. with them, but so far it's, a, and it's only been a couple months, sure, uh, sure. But, but it's, it's changing a lot of my mental models and it's challenging my, my thinking a lot more, which, which, which I really like. Which is great. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll do a follow up in six or eight months, and then you'll you'll tell me those questions suck. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely I want to I'm going to start closing up here just to respect your time, but I would, you know, definitely love to touch a little bit on the intuition because I I do or I have noticed that about you and your personality, and I suspect there are some links with some of your, you know, non negotiables or your regular mental fitness practices that really, you know, tune in your intuition, your self-awareness and, and whatnot and the clarity in your mind. So I'd love to just know, uh, Max, if, you know, what's, what is, what do you, what do your practices look like right now in terms of for your mind? Um, so I think it's meditation is the key. And I, I studied meditation, uh, when I was a teenager, that's something that I've that I've kept. I think that's the the core practice I always come back to um, in my daily life. And I think like it goes beyond the just the pure meditation session. It's catching my thought and being very aware of detecting my mental um, uh, patterns and trying to stop negative ones or at least recognize them uh, and, and let them go uh, on, my, on, my, on a daily basis. And I think then journaling is another key. I, I use, um, I think I'm, I'm still one of um, top three users <laughs> of journal, <laughs> which, which yeah. makes sense. Um, but I journal a lot and the CBT framework built into the product um, that you're using draw any any other CBT journaling tool is is very powerful in making sure that you keep your thoughts in check and you can yeah. decide the reality um, that your thoughts are telling you and is there a way to shift it in a different way um, and then I do some yoga and weightlifting weight and sure. other things. But uh, my mental practice is very mental. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Uh, for anyone that's not familiar with the, the acronym, it's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, uh, which is, is really well uh, integrated into Azure. Uh, just last question on your meditation. What does that look like? Like what's the, what's the regular routine? What kind of meditation? How long? When do you do it? I usually do it at night. Um, and I, I meditate for around 30 minutes. Uh, when I'm, 
top of my game and top of my habits. It's a daily sure. practice. Sometimes it goes to once a week. And when I do it once a week, it's very, uh, very powerful. I stopped doing guided meditation uh, a while back. Um, and I'm sort of designing my own sessions as I mm-hmm. go. Yeah, um, me too. And, and yeah, I try to tune in my body, try to see if I have tensions, release tensions. That's how I start. And then I go into uh, mindful meditation, trying to stay still, trying to notice my thoughts. Uh, very, very simple. Or, or then I'll go on, you know, little, <laughs> little meditation trips where I let myself go and just explore my body, explore my thoughts, explore uh, some deeper part of myself, um, which, which I really like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're just focusing on the breath while you're, while focusing you're doing that? Focusing on the breath or focusing on specific sensation in okay. my body or, um, or digging into my thoughts and letting my intuition uh, guide me into mm. some uh, some part of my uh, psyche that I that I may be not looking at on a daily basis and try yeah. to go and sit with you know dark thoughts dark parts of my personality and and try to address them I think like we talk a lot about positivity and 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 using that as a way to um, to be in the, on the very positive side, but I find a lot of power in sitting with your darkest thoughts uh, and 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 feeling comfortable with them, so they so they have less power on you uh, on a day to day basis. Uh, and that's such a great point. Yeah. Well, and that's what that's what I love. Like, and and then obviously that's where these practices, if you you know, if you go in without, without the judgment and without these, these set of limit, um, rules or whatnot, and you're, like you said, you're just kind of you know, following the thought and letting it happen and you're in a safe place, you're, you know, it's, it's just you, the thoughts, um, yeah. you know, it's, there's just so much power there where for the most part, our, our day to day, we're, we're operating usually within a lot of set of constraints, you know, just everything from work to right. society and all of that. So it's not, doesn't feel natural or normal to, to allow that to happen. Mm. So it's a great way for, for people to, to tap into that kind of a practice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read a, a book recently that's called, um, um, it's about what they call shadow work, which is like your, your, um, the dark side of your personality and how to accept it and how much basically the subconscious has so much power over your, your actions. And the more you're, you're ignoring it and pushing this away, the more power it has over your, your life. Um, and embracing your, your, your shadow is, um, uh, is a very powerful way to take control back over your life and over dark patterns you may be projecting onto the world or, you know, things that could uh, uh, have a negative impact on your experience of reality. And I've found mm-hmm. that very interesting. I-, I can't find the name of the book. <laughs> well, 
existential kink existential kink kink. okay interesting it's uh, fascinating it's it's a it's a very interesting book I can imagine, just in the short description, I can imagine where that book goes. So <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. And uh, man, it's just been great to, to reconnect with you and, and dive a little bit into to your backstory. And, and hopefully for everyone listening, there are some new ways of thinking and different perspectives and angles towards work in general, and then also, you know, your own mental fitness and the practices and, and kind of what's possible out there. Um, Maxim, the last last question for you, you know, as you enter into this this next stage of of your work and your life and next decade of your life, essentially, you know, what what makes you smile? Mm. What makes me smile? That's that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, my my family, my friends, it seems so basic, but I just moved back to Paris after spending 10 years in New York and, you know, reconnecting on, um, uh, more frequently with family and friends, man, I realized that I, I miss Mm -hmm. them. And I think giving them the right place in my life is something that truly makes me smile. That's probably going to define you know, the, the next decade for me to, I love it. I love it. You know, spend time with family. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing I'm learning this journey, I mean, it's the, it's the simple things, it's the basic things in, in life that, you know, we always go back to and that really at the end of it, no matter what we're working on, what we're doing, like we come back to those, those core pillars. So, you know, it's not, uh, right. It's a beautiful way to, 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 answer that question and and wrap this conversation. So thank you, sir. And, you know, a higher thank you to you and the full team over at Jure for, you know, dedicating all that energy and your days and your mental capacity to really help a lot of people out in this world. It's, uh, you know, it's a really noble thing to do. And, you know, I know it's not easy. So uh, a huge thanks from me and all the listeners on this show. Thank you, Mark. It was great to chat. And thank you for all your kind words on the project uh, and your support during uh, the time we run it. Awesome.